The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark, before he makes the trek back to the land of Lincoln. Loaded up show. We'll spend time with Jay Moore, get his take on recruiting, on uh, some NFL thoughts. In Hour 2, the coach, Gary Barnett, going to be with us. Uh, gets uh, hour two kicked off. And then Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago, VEASAN Sports Network, all your NFL picks, thoughts, teasers, uh, going to be um, something that uh, we'll dive into. Numbers to get in touch with us at 466-3776-4676-800-825-5865. Watch the show. We invite you to do that. Interact. Via the stream yard, can do so on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Can also find uh, the show on Twitter if you're uh, just in front of your phone that way. The Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle at H Varsity Radio can watch us. Can also watch Coffee and Cream in the morning. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers do a great job from the Hale Varsity Club. So catch those guys. Catch us on the uh, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter handle, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle, and ESPN Lincoln. Facebook. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, if you're just listening versus watching, you can uh, check out the Twitter uh, and follow us on at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence or at C underscore Clark underscore 27. So plenty to get into. Ernest goes to Ann Arbor. It's a title of a bad movie, but it's uh, unfortunately a uh, 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 a reality for Nebraska, Ernest Hausman off to Michigan. Uh, the grades have been handed out with the coaching hires. Uh, as far as projections go, what's USA Today say about uh, Nebraska and Matt Rule and another quarterback visitor this weekend, Malik Hornsby out of Arkansas. Uh, that is uh, piquing our interest. But I got a simple question as it's another busy recruiting weekend for Nebraska. And uh, then you'll have the early signing period. We'll have full coverage of that on Wednesday. But are you a numbers guy or gal? And what I ask about that is, is Connor's shaking his head. No, no numbers. Do you, do you get excited about the recruiting rankings? Is that something that stirs you up in a good way? And the higher, the better, because you believe them. Or are you somebody that is more reserved and over time those good ratings didn't always translate? And a lot of times they did translate. 
Case in point with Nebraska football. Nebraska football, and this is before the, the dawn of dot-com. You look back to the mid-'80s. I think it's fair to say Nebraska had the number one or number two recruiting class in 85 86. Mickey Joseph was the number one option quarterback in the com- in the country, uh, and and Mickey had a fine career. And then you have Tommy Frazier, which was right there, number one, number two, number three, depending on what service at the time in 1992. But it was the three programs that 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 ran option: Notre Dame, uh, Nebraska, Clemson that, that wanted him, and uh, whatever Tommy was ranked was still way too low because he was incredible. But I, I have I've drifted towards the middle, and that sounds like a cop-out, but the longer I do this, the more I look at the recruiting rankings, and when I see Indomitian Sue's like the second-best defensive tackle in the country or third-best or whatever he was ranked, I, I, I believe it. But Sue was looking about going to the NFL before Bo got here. Mm-hmm. And he still would have been a fourth or a fifth round pick because of potential. And that's what it's all about. It's about maximizing the potential, coaching up the potential. And Nebraska didn't get a chance to do that a lot of the time the last several years. Why? Because no one stuck around. Transfer upon transfer upon transfer. Uh, And you've had a ton of attrition. I, I look at some of the recruiting classes that Bo had where Kenny Bell and Amir Abdullah and Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine, Randy Gregory was a bona fide star, but he was a Juco guy. But you had a bunch of three stars that got developed and coached up. Searles, I think, was a three star. Uh, and and they, they, were good. they were good teams and had some impressive wins and had some tough losses. So you can go either way. You can make a strong argument. Look at Alabama. Look at Ohio State. Look at Clemson. Yeah. Those are your top five recruits. Look at Penn State. Look at Michigan. Michigan, though, guys, is kind of a, a decent uh, case study because they are, they are a, a far cry from the, the flash and foam initially when Harbaugh got there, right? I mean, it was the Michigan's going to, to Italy. It's uh, Harbaugh's landing top, a top five class. Harbaugh's getting a Jabril Peppers. Remember how the whole world wanted that guy? And yes, he's still in the NFL and he's got a role, but he's also a guy that opted out of a bowl game, right? To, to preserve his NFL draft stock. And there's also Aiden Hutchinson, who was a high profile recruit, but, but lived up to it. And, and by the time he was a, a senior, a fifth year senior. Wow. He, he, he hit that, that that top ceiling uh, of being a top five pick, you know. Grant Wistrom was a huge recruit, and and lived up to it. Same with Jason Peter. But you have so many stories of guys that just okay uh, for whatever reason don't live up to the to the stars, right? And that's where we're kind of at as we drift into signing day and rule. And Sam McEwen had a good tweet earlier, might have been yesterday, but this is going to be the motto for Matt Rule. And I'm interested how Nebraska fans are are taking it. And this goes back to Baylor. Re- recruiting is not rankings. Recruiting is not what people say it is. Recruiting is finding people who can play, putting them in the right positions, and then developing them. Now, the difference is, and I think that is, that's no different than Bama's motto. That's no different than Kirby Smart's motto. That's no different than Dabo's motto. 
it's it's Matt Rule's model. It's just what what what's your starting point with the athlete you're getting? Mm-hmm. Well, look look back to look at te- Texas <clears throat> is a prime example of insane recruiting rankings and going five and seven or six and six. I think Sark will be a little bit different, but the point is, is they've struggled a lot of years despite having insane talent and and missing it. But then you have, for every Texas that can't capitalize on big talent, you have the schools like Utah that capitalize on lesser talent, and that's kind of what the Bo Pelini model was back in Nebraska, which is, I think, what you were alluding to, because think back to some of the best offensive weapons that Nebraska had in the Bo Pelini tenure. Rex Burkhead, three-star. Amir Abdullah. Three or four, but I get your point. Three. Three. You, go, go, you <laughs> You're going to fight oh, me on that, huh? You, you can go back and look up the rankings. I remember that signing I thought, day distinctly. I thought he was, thought he was a four-star. Because he, really? Because he's out of... Texas, Plano. He's out of, yeah, he's out of Plano. I mean, Plano's a football factory. Mm-hmm. Amir Abdullah, though. Three-star, and the other teams in the country didn't even want him as a running back. He wanted him as defensive back. Look what happens when you develop him. Taylor Martinez, three-star. Athlete. Three-star athlete wasn't even necessarily quarterback. You're correct. I mean, he was some, an athlete. Some place wanted him as wide receiver, but <laughs> but like Connor's coming off the top. I, mean, I know he was titled quarterback, but he was an he, athlete he was throwing an athlete. the pass right. But like essentially, the difference between a three-star and a five-star is the fact that I mean, it's not like three stars don't have traits and can't project into mm-hmm. being a good college player. That the five stars you just have a higher hit rate on because. They have more traits. It's whenever you like you listen to the NFL draft, the combine, the toolsy quarterback. He's got the big arm. He's got the accuracy. He's just got to put it all together. And that, that's kind of what the, the five star is. What you're talking about. It's this guy's got the speed. This guy can jump out the gym. You just got to put it all together and become a football player. It's about projection. How quickly this guy can get his body to be college ready. And then you, you, when you start from a higher point, you can reach a higher point. And that's why you get in the the first team all conference and the, the first round draft picks. But it's not saying that these these three-star guys can't have the same traits within them it's they might not be as refined right now this guy can jump his verticals a 36 it's not a 42 but with some college development you can turn it into a 42 and you can get this guy playing like a five-star it's about finding the right guys and being able to capitalize on the right traits for the system that you have and that's why i i started this off by saying utah so utah does great Mm -hmm. they find these guys are a little Mm -hmm. bit under recruited but they fit the scheme that they do very very well and they take these traits turn them into something special and elevate some other parts of this guy's game and Look what you got. You got a guy who's off to be a second round or a third round draft pick, and they're winning the Pac-12. And above all, to talk about traits, part of that trait makeup's mentality, and Utah's mentality is to make you scream, mm-hmm. Uncle, stop, quit hurting me. Mm-hmm. All right? You've been blocking the hell out of me for a long time. Uh, good uh, comment here from Jonathan, and it, it kind of echoes where I'm at. Yeah, it's nice to win some some recruiting battles. It's nice to win a and get a four-star, but Nebraska's need, needed to keep the four-star here and then have them maximize their potential. Jonathan writes in, I think we do need some four- and five-stars. Otherwise, we won't be able to compete consistently for national championships, but it's not an end-all, be-all. There's got to be development. I think well, the the ideal setup here is to and you can't do this because you're not in that area and you you haven't won for a while. But look, Bama has the best of both worlds, right? Bama gets five stars, but they also develop like they're three stars. They develop the kids like they treat them like they're three stars or zero stars or two stars or whatever. There's just an expectation. There's the the Nick Saban process. There's the buy-in, and then above all, there's the mentality. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now, I think the difference between 
I mean, the, the, the top five recruiting classes in the country are on a different level. The Georgias, the Ohio States, the look Alabamas. At jo- look at Georgia. I mean, they just bang, reload, right? They, they sent how many yeah. guys to the NFL last year in, in, in the first round defensively? And right now, Todd McShay is getting all sorts of shade because he's questioning the next first round big daddy in the A-gap on his character. But that boy, man, that, 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 that beast can play ball. Well, like, and, and, Big time. And you look at those those top five classes, and there's a reason that those those teams on the upper echelon of college football, there is something to, you know what, if you can get 10 five-stars into your doors in any given recruiting class, yeah, you're probably going to be pretty good because these guys are pretty close to being college ready. The amount of development it takes on these guys is less, and I'm sure there's misses in there for mm-hmm. sure, but you're going to have you know an 8 out of 10 hit rate with those five-stars, but the difference between a recruiting class that's 20th in the country and 55th in the country isn't that great whenever it you, you realize it's more about what you do with those three stars. And, Boy, yeah, and, and exactly. it's not the – for those teams between 20 and 50 in the recruiting class rankings, it's not about the four stars you get and what you do with them. It's about what you do with the three stars and the lower-tiered guys. The, or that, the two-star or the zero or the fit or the – That's what sets you apart from the teams that are around you in the recruiting class rankings, and that's why Trev's mission in this coaching search is to find a, a, a coach that is going to champion development because at a place like Nebraska, it's not about where you finish in the recruiting rankings. If it's somewhere in that 20 to 50 range, it's about what you do with the two stars and the three stars and how many of those guys you can turn into consistent starters. That's where you find your success because you're not going toe to toe against Bama and Georgia trying to get these five stars. Can you pluck one every couple years? Maybe. And that guy's going to be close to being college ready, but that's not where you make your hay at a place like Nebraska. And that's something that has changed in my mentality over the past two years about recruiting class rankings. Whenever I look at Nebraska's over the past couple of years and I said, yeah, there's a lot of guys in here that are, are, look like they're close to being college ready. But if you do no development on those guys whatsoever, it doesn't matter. No, you got to be able to, to put the work in on them and they got to be around here to be worked on. Who's with us? We have Brian on the line. Brian, go ahead. Turn the radio down for me. Thanks for calling. Sure, I got it. Uh, hey, I love the show, guys. I just have a... I guess a comment, I guess, you know, you know, with all these kids that, you know, uh, they leave for the NFL early. I wish that some of these universities would have something in place, you know, maybe in the future, uh, you know, they, they give you a scholarship. They gave you a scholarship, you know, thinking that you would, you know, that you will prolong your career, you know, to your senior season. If you opt out and you go, to the NFL early, I think there should be some kind of payback for that scholarship that they gave you. Uh, you know, if you do make it to the NFL and make millions of dollars, I think there should be some kind of payback to the university uh, to where if you leave early, you know, they gave you a scholarship thinking that you were going to, you know, possibly stay your senior season. But if you don't, you should pay back that scholars isn't that, isn't that what the donations for and i was gonna say on the flip side of this things is, is the payment back to the university not the fact that you developed yourself fast enough and became good enough that you can go off to the nfl by your junior year is, is your payback not what you've done on the field of those three years that you can now say you know what if you're going off to the nfl it's okay because you helped us win a few games or at least that's that would be the hope if you, you, you would hope the if the guy's going to the nfl after you know going to, going to the nfl early uh, I played there, and oh, that guy's from Nebraska. That guy's from, and of course, uh, every uh, Sunday night. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, it, it, it's just sad because you know some of these guys, you know, they don't hit their potential until mm-hmm. two years out of college football. It would be nice to see a lot of these players stay for their senior season because then you can actually see what they are, you know, what they're gonna be in the NFL. A lot of these guys, you know. 
you know, when they when they transfer out their junior year or whatever, you know, they don't you don't see their potential until two years into the NFL. Whereas when they stay to their senior season, you know, it, it, it you can actually you know they're they're monsters. So, well, it, it, but, it, it, it's a it's a situation. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you chiming you in on the you. discussion. It, it's each situation's pretty unique, right? Maybe you need to, to leave early and help out the family. I know that's a little different now with NIL paydays potentially, but no, I don't, I don't think the kids owe the university any money and I, as a, as a thank you. And uh, they'll be getting phone calls from the, uh, the, uh, the alumni association soon enough. And I'd also argue that college football, there's been a shift for the past 20 years that your program is judged based on how many kids you send off to the NFL. And it didn't used to be that way back in the eighties. That was a part of it. But now like look at what Penn state's done over the past 10 years. It's less about conference championships with Penn State. It's they've been winning games. They've been sending dudes off the NFL, and you look at that program and you go, "That's a good football program." Despite the fact that I don't think they have any conference championships during that time. They have won. one. One. They have one. Jay Moore chimes in. Uh, the joys of recruiting. Hale Varsity continues. Presented by Currency. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run, and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, Jay Moore with his co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up. And a big NFL matchup, his 49ers against Seattle tonight. We'll get there in a bit. But, Jay, it is portal season. It's early signing day. And let me ask you, man, how are you planning on spending? I know how much you love recruiting, and I know how much you love early <laughs> signing day. Have you, have you scoped out a spot to go, uh, to go celebrate the day next week? Uh, I haven't yet, to be honest. Um, what 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 day is it officially? Is it on it's Tuesday. It's the twenty first, and and oh, it's Wednesday. Okay. Well, I'll be celebrating. I have a little uh, Christmas party that evening, so I will uh, I'll celebrate it that way. I guess because I just showed you how much I've been paying attention to it. Is <laughs> I even know exactly what uh, what day what day it's going down. So my apologies on that, but yeah, it's uh, it's nuts. It's crazy right now, though. But I I just don't I don't get too caught up in the recruiting. I just never have, never, never, never will be, just because you got a lot of people out there that think they know what they they they're talking about, and then unfortunately, when things when uh, guys get here, things change, and rightfully so. I mean, this is this is a whole nother you know ball game that they're they're getting into, and you know you they kind of. You kind of get your hopes up, and then quickly, you know, they get you get shot down because you you expect too much out of a out of a seventeen or eighteen year old kid, and it's, sometimes it can be unfair to them. So, I just my whole view on it, and I you've heard me say this before, whether I was doing radio with you in the past or here recently, it's just recruiting. You know, it's you have some it's all about the upside, and you just got to kind of say, hey, hopefully they can reach that potential, you know, rather sooner than later, but. Somehow, some way, they get there. That's great. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just can't. Uh, I just don't rely too heavily on my put my emotions on uh, you know seventeen, eighteen year old kids. You know, it's a little easier to do it. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with some transfer guys. But even then, you still don't know what you get until guys get here. Jay, uh, there's a lot. I think you did three or four recruiting shows with me, and badge of honor, my friend. Uh, you, you made it through. <laughs> I'm proud of you for for uh, putting up with that. But in, in all seriousness, 
there is a, a fairy tale and, and nightmare reality. You get sold the fairy tale, and if you don't adapt, college football can become a nightmare for you. Oh, it was easily. It's, it, was, it was a rude awakening. It was a very humbling experience for me coming in, and I've I seen it from all other kids. You know, it's, it's crazy. There's, I, I would say, um, you know, guys that come out and they, 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 put, they play well early on, it, 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 most, a lot of times, you know, maybe not expect it from some of those guys, but they come from very good high school programs. They usually come from the state of Texas or Florida, in my, in, in my opinion, in the, from the past, or guys that I've been around, I, I, I think of, you know, Fabian Washington. I think of uh, Cody Glenn. You know, I think of those, some of those guys that come in and, and play very well early on in their careers. Uh, Philip Dillard that came in and played well uh, early on in his career. He was from, you know, a very prominent high school. I think he was from Jenks in, uh, in either, I think that's Tulsa, Tulsa I yeah. believe. So, um, so it's, it's rare. But I, I think, you know, nowadays, just because there's, you know, there's obviously so much, there's so much attention that's, that's put forth towards recruiting. And, you know, everyone wants to be, everyone wants to have that hot take. Everyone wants to have, you know, th- that opinion like, hey, this is, this is the next, whoever it may be, this, this is the next, and Dominican Sue, this is the next, uh, just some great player, Grant Wistrom, Jason Peter. You know, and they, they want to have that take just so they can be right and say, I told you so. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> nine times out of ten, they're usually wrong. It, it's, and it's unfortunate. It's, and it, the kids don't, I mean, oh, I think more and more kids like the attention because it's, it, I mean, you're, you do get, you know, the, you know, you do all the interviews and the phone calls and it, they can't, I would imagine some kids do like that. I imagine some kids don't and they, they're, they're annoyed by it. But it's, Things change when you step on campus, man. Uh, you, you think about you know the movie, the program where he he comes on for his official visit. You know Omar Epps' character, and you know the fans there, the cheerleaders there. But actually, when he steps foot on campus for camp, he's like, "Where the hell is everyone else at?" You know, this, this is different now, right? You know, there's no, there's no bells and whistles. It's time to get to work, and, it, and it's time to grind a little bit, and uh, and that that can take some guys by by surprise you know it took i had no idea what i was getting into i, I all i knew is i wanted to play football at nebraska as a 18 year old kid when i stepped foot on uh, campus and went to my first you know training camp or it was actually two a days still every day i man it was a it was a rude awakening i it felt like you know i'd go to bed at you know 10 o'clock and then six o'clock came around and if i felt like i shut my eyes for five seconds you know i was <laughs> beat mentally physically beat and i was like i don't know if I'm cut out for this. And it, you talk to a lot of guys in their first year, like, holy crap, this is, this is a lot more than no one could joke. No one can prepare you for that. No. And so I, and I think that's just the things you have to take into factor when kids get here, you know, whether it's, and I was, you know, my home, you know, my home address was 45 minutes away from, you know, Memorial stadium. So imagine if that's the same case and all of a sudden you're 1500 miles away from home, 2000 miles away from home, or your 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 home isn't as you know great, or you know your just everyone's situation is is so vastly different, and it's just it's tough to put those expectations on you know a seventeen eight year old kid. Now on the flip side, like I said, the transfer guys, you know, I, I had high hopes for Moshawn Mathis this last year. I don't think he met those expectations. Now you can be I can be a little tougher on him because you know he was it was between us and Texas, and you know we thought he was 
you know, the second coming of Randy Gregory, and you heard all these great things about him, and he just didn't quite meet those expectations. And, you know, that, and that's part of it. That's going to happen. And, you know, it, it wasn't the defense was struggling early on in the year, and I think O'Shawn got better as the defense made some changes and they got better. But you just, you're going to have that. You just got to deal with that. And, you know, and that's being recruiting is, is, is a big time deal. I mean, it, it is. It is going to be in you know for for a long college football it's still going you know it's that's it's the main it's, it's what it's all about and it's it's what it's always been about it's just there's just more attention to it you know uh, nowadays it's it's fun it's it, it can be fun but it also I think everyone just kind of has to take it with a little grain of salt you know nowadays just not you know get your expectations up so high. Jay Moore is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Jay, you say take it with a grain of salt a little bit. And I want to get into the fact that these coaches are recruiting guys that they've maybe known for three weeks, maybe a month, and that's what they have to sell it on. And people always say recruiting is about relationships. So what do you make of the fact that this coaching staff has to build relationships within a three-week or a four-week-long period and get these guys on campus? Do you think we should be taking this first recruiting class from Matt Roll and his staff with a grain of salt for that reason? Well, I think going forward, I think – I, you'll have to take every recruiting class, I think, with Matt Rule uh, with a grain of salt. I think his comments, which I, I really, really enjoyed, and I thought I, I loved his comments, talking about how you're going to have all these pundits and people you know, from rivals and on three and 24-7 might say, wow, Nebraska's, you know, their, their rankings is, you know, that's the 47th ranked class in the nation, and they are the 8th ranked class in the Big Ten. And from afar – people are going to be like, man, that's not very good. And, but as you, but you have to realize what Matt's doing. They're, they're not recruiting to those rankings, right? They're not, they're not trying to build the best 24 seven recruiting. They're trying to recruit guys to fit what they want and fit guys to fit what Nebraska needs and how they can get guys in here to develop. They are looking for a certain body type. They're looking for speed. They're looking for athleticism and, and they'll, you know, majority of your five-star guys all have that, but you're just not going to be able to, you're not feasibly able to go get every single five-star guy at every position. Uh, not, and not with Nebraska's history here in the last 20 years of not winning very many football games. So that that's going to be tough, but I think he's got to say, you got to trust. You have to have trust with us that we are going out and getting the guys that we see fit. And you got to look at our track record, which we had at Temple and we had at Baylor. And you got to look at the guys we put into the draft who are, you know, zero to one to two and maybe max three-star recruits at those schools who are still playing and still on NFL rosters. So I don't think I'm going to get, you know, it's, they have some short work to do. And I know they're, they're out there. He's, he's grinding. He's out there hustling and trying to get to in front of every high school coach and, uh, and probably a, a JUCO coaches and all that stuff that they, you can hear in this, this short amount of time. And you are you're you're selling you're 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 selling relationships now. You're selling look at look at these guys that we put in the NFL at these two schools who aren't football powerhouses. Uh, look what we can do with you with all the resources we have here. Uh, you just got to trust us, and you're selling that trust. That's hard. That's hard to do in a matter of of a month. But I think you you have to take his classes going forward with a little bit of grain of salt because he's not recruiting. You know, he's he's getting the guys that he sees fit to, to have them to come in right body size speed, athleticism, and mentality to come forth and, and know that, hey, you gotta, there's going to be, you gotta get some, there's gonna be some effort that's going to need to be put forth here to, to get where you need to go. So I, I think uh, going forward, we can't, I don't think you can 
look at it and and say, oh my gosh, Nebraska has you know the the 40, like I said, forty seventh or thirty fifth recruiting rank rank uh, class that's ranked, you know, and and you, you can't get too you know diminished about that. I think you got to look further down the road at at the end result and trust what Matt Rule and the staff able to do in developing guys with just not as many stars. Jay, the news today, official Ernest Hausman is heading up to Michigan now out of the transfer portal. Your reaction to that news and what kind of player is Michigan getting next year? Well, they're getting, you know, a guy that's got exponentially better throughout the year. He struggled early on, and rightfully so. He was an 18-year-old kid. He was walking the halls of Columbus High School last year, this time of year. So he struggled early, but after with the with the injury to Henrich, you know, he's able to step in, and he got he, – the dude, the dude got better. He became a really good football player. Obviously very frustrated and unhappy with his decision to transfer. But I do understand that he wanted to take a visit to Michigan during the recruiting process. I don't think he was able to because of COVID restrictions. Uh, but a little upsetting because that, that was a guy you thought would come back for sure, you know, and, and, and be able to provide needed depth. And, and then on top of that, really good playing experience to to a group of linebackers, the linebacker group who not necessarily the deepest, but you know, he, you have some guys, you know, Henderson Reimers have, have played a ton of football, but he's going to be battling for a starting position again. So don't know, don't know the, the rationale behind it, you know, and I don't know what his motives were. Obviously, I don't know if he saw things differently with coach rule, had some discussions. I don't, I don't know that. Um, but yeah, a little, little frustrated. But they're getting Michigan is getting uh, getting a really good football player, and he's going to a program that uh, you know is going to be playing in the college football playoffs here the last two years. So you you can't fault him for wanting to find you know a better a better program to be a part of. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's with us, Hail Varsity Radio. You got to always ask, why is a kid leaving? And if you're houseman, you, you've got a new new staff that's in here, but you don't have a position coach. You would hope that it's a clean slate with whoever your new position coach is. So if you go win a spot next to Reimer, let's say that you get that spot. Uh, that being said, not everybody <laughs> um, says, yeah, A, I'm good enough to go. Be you know go play at Michigan or at least try to play at Michigan. B, they're pretty demanding uh, on on what they bring in in that front seven. So I think it says a lot about Ernest. While folks are reacting and upset and, and upset to lose him, not upset at him, but that says a lot to me. It's not like he's going off to the easiest place to go get playing time. I mean, he's going mm-hmm. he's going off to a place that's gone to the college football playoff back-to-back years, beat Ohio State back-to-back years, and won the Big Ten two years in a row. So I think that speaks a lot about his competition level and, and his eagerness to win at the highest level. Oh, most definitely. And it, like, it 
I'm just happy it wasn't Iowa. I know he visited Iowa, right? So I'm just the truth comes out from there. Jay Moore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least it's not Iowa, right? I mean, that's just, you can just put that on a T-shirt and sell it. I think you make a million bucks here. <laughs> well, Jay, is this a case where you're going to be rooting for Ernest in like every single game except when Michigan plays Nebraska? Or did the way this happened sting you a little bit? No, oh, it didn't sting me. It's you got to be... I think Schmitty nailed it on the head. You know, he's he's going to a place where he's he wants to be part of a of a winning program. I, I'd like to think Nebraska's going to get back to that here pretty quickly. But Michigan's a proven product in beating Ohio State last two years in college football playoff back to back years. Uh, they they know who they are, and he wants to he must he just wants to be a part of that. I, I can't I can't fault him. No 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 no. I'm not I don't get too upset over what a. I don't even know how old he is, 18, 19 year old kid, his decision. I have, I have other things to worry about. Uh, he's hope, you know, I, I hope it works out for him. I really do. Because uh, sometimes the grass has been always greener. I, I've made uh, decisions that I was always, you know, I thought the grass was greener on the other side. Back in, in, my, in my football career when I was playing professionally, you know, I, I, I switched from uh, the Rams wanted me back, and I decided to go to the Tennessee Titans. I was a free agent, and I thought the grass was greener, and I realized I had it way, it was way greener with the Rams, and you know, it didn't work out for me in Tennessee. So um, I just hope it works out for him. And if, I hope he does well. I hope, you know, we, we play Michigan next year and he's able to play. And I hope he plays well. I, I, I really do. Uh, you just you want what's best. When kids make these, these decisions, you really just want what's best for them because I've, I've been on the, on the, the back end of poor decisions. And it's, it's not fun. It's, it's not fun. So I don't, I don't want that for that kid. Okay, Jay Bird, uh, you, you had a, a, a number of ball games against the Mike Leach air raid offense. What was that like to go against the Pirates offense? Yeah, it was it was vastly different. In not from a passing uh, attack style, what they did off what they did with their offensive line, and what we usually had to do, we had to go to a three man front. We kind of wanted an extra. You know, uh, secondary guy in there. If you want a, a nickel, mm-hmm. a nickelback essentially. But he spaced out their gaps. I know people realize this when he was at Texas Tech. I don't know if he's he's done it at Washington State or Mississippi State. I haven't watched a whole lot of those games. But there's their gaps between center guard guard tackle were super wide. They wanted to create a bigger pocket, and they want and essentially they wanted you to be you to say, okay, I'm gonna take my normal alignment on this tackle or on this guard, and what you normally you might say my inside hand is on the tackle or the guard's outside foot. That might be your normal alignment if they're in your 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 more traditional five man offensive line look. But he would he would the the the, the splits were sometimes double triple, you know the the width of of a normal traditional offensive line set so essentially you have a longer distance to get that quarterback a and all of a sudden you have to you you're creating a bigger pocket for your quarterback so we had to as it was and it was a little awkward because all of a sudden we had to almost say okay we have to still keep our same alignment and rush from the same spot but essentially we were at the defensive end i was almost head up on the tackle because we're saying no we're not gonna we know what you're trying to do you're trying to space this out. We don't want that. We're gonna we're gonna line more head up and force you, and we're gonna do some different things with our pass rush schemes. We're not gonna let you. We're not gonna give you no more time. We're we're not gonna adjust to you, to you and what you want to do. We're gonna kind of do our our thing, what we've been doing, and then we're gonna make things more difficult for you. And we're gonna take advantage of these bigger gaps that you're giving us, and we're gonna attack these gaps that you're giving us. So I see what he was doing. It, it, we just never. I ne- we never faced a team 
that that did it like that. And so I, you, you understand what they were doing. And a lot of teams would be crazy. You'd watch them like, geez, Louise, they are that defensive end is now. You know, if you're you're saying lining up, you're might be ten yards away. You might be fifteen to almost twenty yards away now from that quarterback if you didn't adjust. So, mm. pretty smart by him to do it, but he kind of forced you to to change it. And it wasn't an easy change because you're you're just were a little uncomfortable and in, in your alignment. So he he was always stressing the defenses. Uh, very simple in what he was doing, but it was it was vastly different than anyone else was doing as well. Okay, Lakeven Smith, do you still send him Christmas cards oh or not? Oh my gosh, that still it still hurts a little bit. That one still stinks because I almost intercepted that ball as well. I uh, reset it Lakeven. for the listeners who uh, were either not alive in in two thousand five or <laughs> have blocked or blacked out that memory. <laughs> yeah, the ball was literally going to come down. I can't remember who batted it in the air on uh, on a pass. To win the game, you guys had a pick, right? Yeah, yeah. It, well, yeah. He, I was going to catch it. I was going to let it fall in my hands. There was no around me, but Lakeven came like out of the air, like a freaking safety, <laughs> and like grabbed it in midair and like jumped and then took off like a DB. And Lakeven was a hell of an athlete. Yeah. And, uh, and so you're like, oh, sweet. But they're also like in my back of the head, like, dude, go down. The game's over. And he did it. And they just, it's going to happen. You know, a lot, we're not defensive linemen, especially defensive tackles. You're not used to uh, carrying the football. You want to score, so right? They it out, and I think they scored, you know, two or three plays later, unfortunately. And, God dang, that's, that's still a reliving that nightmare. Jay Moore's with us, Hale City Radio. Jason at FL to wrap your bud. Good to spend time with you. Uh, San Francisco, the, uh, the Brock Purdy show. Uh, enough around him on offense and defense. And Pete Carroll, I know they've hit a bit of a – a snag, but Seattle's a team that, you know what, has surprised many. What do you think about Thursday night football tonight? Yeah, it's be good. Finally get a, a, a decent Thursday night game. You know, it's an interesting situation. San Francisco wins tonight. They clinch the West. NFC West, you know, Seattle has to continue to win to keep a fighting chance of getting a potential wild card in there. So it's, you know, Purdy has played halfway decent. I mean, they, they, they roasted you know, Tampa Bay last week, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Purdy's just played at home the last two weeks. So obviously Seattle's very hostile, you know, for the, you know, the 12th man as, um, as a crowd there. So it'll be interesting to see how he's able to play with that. But I think his weapons, I, I, I don't think Debo's back yet. I think he's still banged up. Mm-hmm. So with McCaffrey and still, they got a, a ton of other weapons, Kittle and around, around there. So I think, I still like them. I know they're only about a three, three and a half point favorite. I think the majority. I was listening to a show this morning. I think the betting, pub, you know, the public heavy on Seattle, which I can see why. But I, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. But I think the 49ers still just get it done. I think the defense is playing so well. It's gonna be a rather low scoring game. I think they're gonna play keep away from Seattle. You know, use use your weapons. Rely on George Kittle a ton. You know, don't do anything crazy. And just chip away, chip away at him, and I, I just, you know, I feel like this is a San Francisco gets this thing done in like a, you know, seventeen to thirteen fashion or twenty-one seventeen type of game. I don't think it's gonna, you know, you're, you're not gonna see as many points scored last week as they did against against Tampa Bay. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Bird will get caught up again soon. Thanks for a few minutes today, bud. You got it. Thanks. Thanks as well, boys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity. Good stuff from Jay Moore. We're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and Connor Clark. Gary Barnett, 10 minutes away. Get his take on the portal, recruiting, 
and uh, all of that happening at once. And for a lot of places, new coaches. So good coaches' thoughts. Uh, 520 coming up. We will hammer the uh, quarterback that's coming to town. Hammer on, I should say. That sounded really poor. <laughs> we're, Happy Thursday. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to talk negatively about one Malik Hornsby. Yeah, really talented dude. Good, good write-up by uh, Evan Bland we talked to yesterday. But the, the thing about Hornsby is just a, a little nugget, good uh, question uh, in there about Hornsby in the uh, stream. Again, can watch the show and participate uh, on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio, Twitter, or ESPN Lincoln Twitter. And questions, answers, thoughts, whatever you want to do is fine. But Hornsby's a guy that, that has two years to pl- three years to, to enroll, two years to play. Okay, so that's, that's his timeline. And he's a guy that in his career in three years at Arkansas – just 57 rushes and 39 passes. That, that's it. I mean, he's been behind K.J. Jefferson or behind somebody at some point. His only start uh, was against Mississippi State this year. And you had uh, Mississippi State just roll Arkansas. 40-17. to 17. But it was a really good ball game uh, for, for Hornsby, where he ran for 100 yards on eight carries. 8 of 17 for 230 yards and super fast dynamic athlete. Uh, the Pirate quoted in the postgame saying, yeah, that guy's a, a stud player, uh, probably the fastest quarterback. He's not easy to tackle. Well, you, can, you can hear it in the Pirate's voice. Yeah, he's not easy to tackle. Well, it should also be noted, though, that I don't think the Pirates type of guy to go in the postgame press conference after you beat a team 40 to 17 and say, yeah, we really took advantage of their quarterback. We don't think he's very good. And uh, we no, really made him he's, for it. he's not that type of guy. He, he's but the, the, they hammered him. The thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that stands out about that game is his start and his performance. Well, I'd like to know, there's been some Husker fans I've seen in our comments on Twitter, just about everywhere that have said, well, this guy, yeah, he's a great athlete, but I think we're going to have to move into different positions. He doesn't have much of an arm. And I'd like good arm. I mean, he's got a big arm accuracy. He's had some issues in the past. But let's also note that the last time Nebraska made a, a conference championship game was with a quarterback that didn't have much of an arm either. And I, I don't want to sit here and the just talk crap about Taylor Martinez, but he made a defense work in different ways, and they mm-hmm. schemed that offense up in a way to give him some easy throws, some confidence-building throws where he didn't have to do too much with his arm. So let's not act like – I know the way college football is moving is the fact that you want a quarterback that can beat you through the air, but let's not act like – you can't win with a quarterback that has some deficiencies with his arm. That's no. that's okay. it's about finding a guy that's toolsy and fits your offense. That's what I was talking about back in the first segment. And with his athleticism and with a big arm, he's got some tools. If you can make some minor strides in development and tailor your offense in a way that suits a guy like that, you can go win football games. It's not a be all end all. The fact mm-hmm. that this guy is you know not a, a five star elite eleven type quarterback. With no, his you arm. get him on the roster. It's it's big and he's a futures get. It's it's a guy that you don't have to necessarily play right away if Casey Thompson comes back and Casey Thompson uh, you you bring in a guy like Hornsby with the assumption that Thompson's here next year Mm -hmm. you redshirt and then 2024-2025 could be Hornsby's time and uh, Jalen Hurts was a guy that was okay throwing the football and look what he's been able to do with development, use his skills Coach Barnett's on the way Hail Varsity Hour 2 coming up Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. 
We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. We welcome in Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with us. And, Coach, this time of year has got to make you smile a little bit with bowl prep and recruiting, and it's a a furious finish. And uh, a lot of programs right now trying to to figure out Portal, high school, and also JUCO. How are you doing today? Well, I'm smiling because I don't have to do that stuff. (laughs) And uh, trying to get yourself ready for a bowl game in the middle of this recruiting and now with an early signing date, I don't know how you do it. I mean, that's, that's really why you have all these defensive and offensive assistants because uh, they can't recruit. So they, they end up making your game plan and doing all your film work. And you come in the office and says, okay, here's what they're doing. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the practice schedule. Off you go. But uh, you know, your involvement as a head coach and as a, you know, and many, many times a position coach becomes almost, you know, you don't have any, you don't have anything to do with it. Somebody else is doing it for you. So at least they give you that. Before, you, you had to do it all yourself, and so you had to decide which coaches would go on the road, which would stay home. The coordinators would always stay home, and it was just a nightmare. And it still is. I mean, it's a stupid schedule, but but you know they don't do those by coaches. They do them by what players want. So mm. it's uh, it's crazy. Gary Barnett with this coach. Uh, I look at this time of year and with all of the portal entries and there's still a window into to January for the portal. How would you how would you be really good at roster management? I know it's a loaded question, but you look at Nebraska, even look at Dion in Colorado. I mean, both those examples, both new guys, you've got to really be off on the right foot with uh, with how you go about your organization and where you go uh, with 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 all three uh, areas to tap from right the portal uh, the transfer market uh, and, and of course the high school recruits. Sure. Well, the uh, you know at least in your case, Matt's coming from a NFL experience. He's had a, fr- a whole department uh, devoted to free agency who does all the work. And I'm sure he's going to run his organization much the same way as I think Dion is doing it at Colorado. So it's all changed. You have to have a complete different group of people looking out for for that. And then you really got to vet them. That that's the most important thing uh, is you've got to vet them. I remember my son worked for the Patriots and he was in charge of free agency and all the guys that were going to become free agents for the next 18 months they had a big board. And they had access. Every time anybody that was a free agent even got a traffic ticket, they got that information. And that information would, would go on the board below their name, traffic ticket on such and such and such and such. And so they and of course, that's Belichick and that's the Patriots. But they did a great job of vetting all that's all the guys that were out there. And I think that's really true right now in 
college football because in the portal you're just getting everybody's leaving for a reason. You want to make sure the reason they're leaving um, is not something that would be a catastrophe to your own program. What what falls under that catastrophe header? I mean, you look at talent, you look at need, but that can maybe be too tempting if it if it could upset the apple cart. What what are some bad reasons in your opinion kids bounce? Well, for example, dispute with the coaches, um, fight with a teammate, um, wouldn't go to school, uh, grades are poor, uh, anything that sends a message that this guy is not responsible. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you just you don't need to bring something like that into a locker room. Um, I mean, there's other guys, you know, I mean, the poor old guys are they're, they're You got to be a little bit lucky as to who you take that they can actually make a difference. And you have to have a need. If you just take guys to take them, you're going to stack people up in positions. You're going to create issues in your own locker room. You've got to have a particular need that you're filling, much like junior college recruiting. And um, junior college recruiting is the same way. Everybody's got some degree of risk. You have to vet that out, minimize that risk, and then go from there. So it's, you know, you just try to eliminate as much of the risk as possible. Gary Barnett's with us. Few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, a thought on Tony White. What do you know? about Tony, Nebraska's new defensive coordinator, was it Syracuse? Of course, uh, from that rocky, long coaching tree, and there's been a yep. lot the last week made of the three-three-five. I think, he, you know what, he'll have four down linemen. It's going to be okay. <laughs> but Nebraska fans are having visions of Chris Brown or a Wisconsin back, you know, at a three-man front, freak out. But uh, Tony's well-respected, a young guy, and uh, this is not a, a familiar hire, or at least a guy that, that Coach Rule knows. But, man, he must have got a heck of a recommendation. Well, I think the three-three-five is – uh, it, it's it's funny, Chris. When back in two thousand four, mm-hmm. two thousand three, I went to a four two five, and the newspaper guys just went crazy. How can you do that? Nobody runs a four two five. Well, the truth is, everybody runs a four two five in nickel defense. And the more three wide receivers you see, you're almost always in nickel defense. So. Uh, Bud Foster ran it at um, Virginia Tech for years before there were spread offenses, and we went there and learned it. But uh, the guy, <laughs> the beat writer, just wouldn't let up that it's the four-two-five. Fans don't want to see a four-two-five. Well, you know, let me tell you, fans want to see the ball stopped. They want to see it punted, <laughs> and they want to see who score. That's and them not score. That's what they really want. They don't care if it's a ten-one, mm-hmm. but. Um, the the three three five is a get after your defense, and it's it's an automatic drop eight team if you uh, scheme if you need to drop eight they're already there. Uh, you can disguise things. It's hard to block. It 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 uh, really solves a lot of the spread stuff. Uh, the scheme is is solid. Like anything else, your scheme only works if you got good players running it. And uh, the three three five is a confusing, hard to block. Uh, uh, scheme and, and your offensive line coach and, and your running back coaches, tight end coaches, have to scheme those up pretty good. So it's just a little extra work every week for you on offense. 
Coach Gary Barnett with us. As, as far as stopping the run, um, again, it comes down to personnel, but is it uh, a little too too off target to say that it's a it's a concern against the run is, is that not a fair uh, criticism of the 335 no i don't think it's a fair criticism i mean mm-hmm. if you're if you're lane discipline if you're gap discipline you're going to stop the run and i don't care what scheme you're in and uh in, in reality you have more people running to the football on a 335 than you do in a in a 43 so it's, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it just makes, it just comes down to how well you play the three, three, five and whether or not you're gap discipline, if you're gap discipline, everything works. Gary Barnett with his coach, Ryan Walters is off to Purdue hired away from Illinois. I know he's a name and a former buff and, he uh, he's going to get his first crack, but man, what a what a job he did with the Illini defense! What do you look at his situation at in Purdue? They're going from a an offense first guy in Brom to to now Ryan gets his first crack at it and defensive minded. Well, I know uh, I know I know who Ryan's going to hire. Uh, you know, we we uh, interviewed Ryan and we were really high on Ryan um, and Ryan. Ryan, I was born while his dad was playing for me, so I, I are with us for us, and so mm-hmm. I was there when Ryan was born. So I've been close to that family for years, and uh, Ryan's just a really good, great kid, smart. He's a great football coach. Purdue, let me tell you, Purdue is one of those programs that year in, year out is so solid. Um, it's it's. It's probably a program that most programs could, should try to emulate. And um, so he, he's got a good start already. He's playing the championship game. But I know who he's going to hire, and I know who he's going to have play, call plays, and I know he's going to call uh, the defensive stuff. And, and um, you know, when we interviewed, I, I recommended to him, I said, Brian, don't give up calling plays. He says, I will not give up calling plays <laughs> defenses. So, <clears throat> So I think he's going to do a great job, and he's got a great staff that he's putting together. And so, um, be following him closely. No, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. And he did just marvelous work at, at Illinois. Uh, UCLA finally got the okay. You can uh, you can go off to the Big Ten, but man, it, it was it was not a fun ordeal for the Bruins coach to get out of the Pac-12, it didn't sound like. And they got to start handing out money to the Cal, don't they, between 2 and $10 million? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it should be hard to make moves like that. I mean, you've disrupted, you know, 100 years of, of tradition, and um, you're doing it against the wishes of most of your fan bases and probably against the wishes of a bunch of recruits. And so, uh, yeah, it, it should be hard to make to get out of there. And I'm I'm glad they're I'm glad really that that um, those regions did what they did and uh, and making it even harder. And so, be careful what you wish for. And we'll just have to see in the long run how it all work, works out for them. But they've got to spend another year in uh, the Pac-12. So um, <laughs> everybody's going to look forward to playing them. Well, some some farewell gifts, I, I would assume, right? Yes, 
Yes. <laughs> Gary Barnett. Coach, before we go, uh, a coach that you competed against and we're big fans of uh, Mike Leach passing away unexpectedly on on uh, Monday. And uh, I know you, you, you had a lot of games against uh, Tech and uh, – <laughs> You, uh, whenever I say Mike Leach, you you giggle. So I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it there and ask you about your relationship with him. I love to play against Mike Leach, and he's one of the true characters in college football. He, everybody needs a, a Mike Leach in their life. Football is not gonna be college football is not gonna be as good without Mike Leach, and it certainly isn't gonna be as colorful. And so it's uh, Mike Leach was. You couldn't be around Mike and not just laugh because he was going to say something off the wall, and you're there rubbing your temples going, what did he just say, and what does that mean? And, uh, you know, for example, he says, Gary, he says, when a ball guy fills out his driver's license, what color hair does he put down? <laughs> I don't know, Mike. He says, you think there's a there's a, a speed of smell, there's speed of light, and speed of sound. Is there a speed of smell? <laughs> Are you crazy? But he was fun to be around. He's going to be missed in college football, no question. And you guys, the sports writers, they're going to miss him the most because mm. he is a soundbite king. Well, we loved him. We, we miss him, and, and he, he was – a guy that, that came on the program a lot and uh, just, you know, over the years, just just the, the time spent, you get to, to talk and know somebody, it's it's sad. I Is there a moment in, I, we're, we're talking about conferences, right, and, and meetings, and, and I always got a kick out of his take on meetings. Um, is there a moment from, from maybe a, a time all the Big 12 coaches had to get together? Was he just a a stand-up act in, in some of the, the coaches' meetings where, all right, you guys all got to get together. It's, it's, a, it's a conference meeting in Kansas City, say Big 12 Media Days. Was he uh, a guy that prolonged even those meetings, or was he just uh, irreverent during said meeting? He, you know what, I, I don't remember Mike being anything different or special in the meetings. Okay. He, he, was, he still had a business side of him. And um, he was more fun afterwards, uh, I think. <laughs> I, I, I remember scheming him up one year, and we, we got six interceptions and still lost the game Jeez. down there. So, yeah, six interceptions in one game and lost. How was that? So, anyway, he, he's a, he was a really, really, really different guy and fun guy and a really good football coach. Gary Barnett with Innovative. Us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You look at the – the air raid, right? I mean, that's everywhere, and uh, you look at kind of the offshoot, and you yourself, Coach, I mean, that's – I would like to think and let you speak on it before we say goodbye that the you're proud of the job you do, but you're really, really proud of those you promote. I mean, your coaching tree, his coaching tree, it's, it's really uh, impressive. That's got to be something you take pride in, I would think. You do, but you don't think about it that much. You, you're just always trying to help them if they sure. need help. You know, it's 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 uh, it's a bigger deal, I think, on the outside than it is on the inside. Okay, in a week, I'm headed down to uh, to Coach Barnett Golfland. Am I going to be able to rock shorts down in late December in Arizona or not? 
Well, you can do that, but it's just like wearing I'm a big I'm from Nebraska T-shirt on, <laughs> you know, right there. Or I'm from Minneapolis or I'm from somewhere really cold and I just want to get shorts on. You can do that. You can do whatever you want, but, you know, I don't advise it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a no. It's going to be chilly. Coach. It, it was, yeah, it's, gonna, it's been chilly for the week, but I think we've had more, three, maybe three of our 10 days of winter already. So Good. I think you'll be all right. Coach, we'll talk soon. Thanks again for the time. All right, Chris. Great being with you. Good stuff from Coach Gary Barnett, Hale Varsity Radio. What is up with Malik Hornsby? What's the word on Casey Thompson? We'll discuss next on Hale Varsity. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Thursday edition Hail Varsity presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And Connor Clark. So let's dive into the quarterback topic du jour, right? What's Nebraska going to have? And Kansas Husker wants to know, is Casey Thompson coming back for sure? What are the odds? Nebraska signing a portal, portal quarterback. I would put odds at signing a portal quarterback at 100%. Who is that quarterback going to be? And I think uh, we've established that the – Matt Rule era will be about development. So well, you get a quarterback to put in the oven, so to speak, while you have a portal guy that can go win you some games now, so you're not always having to scramble for a portal quarterback. I think the question about Casey, guys, will roundtable this, is does he want to keep playing? And I think the answer is yes. Has he had shoulder surgery? It sounds that's what we're hearing. And is it a a our shoulder surgery is ever quick to heal from. No, it's a six month deal. Mm-hmm. So that means you've got a guy that's going into his potential fifth or sixth season or whatever the math is. Right? Uh, doesn't necessarily need spring, new system, new coach. So that's a bit of a curveball. But if Casey wants to keep playing ball, I would think he'd listen real hard to stay with Rule. I'm not trying to talk for him. I don't know what he's thinking. But I do think uh, you might as well give it a shot here uh, if you're Casey Thompson versus going somewhere else. Well, I don't think that Casey's going to enter his name in the portal and go elsewhere. I think it's, to me, I look at this, and I don't have any inside information here, but just from an outside perspective, I look at it, it really only makes sense for NFL or stay at Nebraska for Casey Thompson. Mm, sure. Whenever you factor in a potential shoulder surgery, it makes it look more and more likely that Nebraska would be the place to stay. I don't think you go into the portal for one year, one year after entering the portal, even though there's a new coaching staff here, whenever you know you have very lucrative NI opportunities here in Nebraska. You're familiar with Baylor being a Texas kid anyway. Familiar with Baylor being a Texas kid anyway. And simple fact of the matter is, I mean, you put some good stuff on film last year, and 
I think the coaching staff knows what they have in Casey Thompson. (laughs) They're going to try to keep him around. What's the appeal of going into the portal and go make less NIO money somewhere else whenever you know the clock's ticking in terms of being an NFL quarterback? And you want to cash in now while you can, to be 100% honest with you. That's the best way I can put it. And you know there's guaranteed NIL opportunities for you in Nebraska. And you know how much you got last year. I'd venture to say you might even get more this offseason with some hype around the team and some better collectives around the place. And I think it's a decision of Nebraska or NFL. And I'd venture to say we'll probably know here within the next week or two. I, I, don't, I don't think it's something going to drag into January or February. No, and, and I think it's going to be a better chance to, to get healed up, get healthy, get the Baylor slash rule offense under the Satterfield offense under his belt and and then go keep the job uh, this spring and summer. Well, I should say this summer because if he's recovering from a, a show, I don't know when he had the, uh, the, the work done. So maybe there'd be a chance of a spring coming back. But no, I, I think uh, Casey's a guy that Matt Rule went to real early. What are you feeling? And uh, you can win. And if he stays healthy this year, Nebraska may be bowling. Yeah, yeah. I'm, it's definitely on the table, and I don't think that's an unrealistic prediction. Now, obviously, anything beyond, I think, 6-6 six and six right now, just to get ahead of the eight ball here, may be outlandish. But despite the shoulder, Casey is a guy that I think can be that quarterback already that can win you ball games, And, you know, he's from Texas, as you mentioned, and he could be more familiar with this scheme maybe than, you know, some random transfer quarterback. Now, you still want to go get one to have in that room with him, possibly. And get Harburg developed right. and see what else. Exactly. But I think Casey can be that guy that can win you games right now. And as Elijah said, we saw a lot of good stuff from him a season ago, and I liked a lot of what I saw. Now, did he get beat up? Yes. Well, that, but, that's a big question to think about. Does Casey want to come play behind this offensive well, line right. for another year? But <laughs> I think you have to take into account that is that offensive line going to improve, yes or no? That's, you know, uh, opinion to opinion there. I'd like to think it so. Ha- it has to. So, yeah. So if it improves, I think Casey sticks around. I think he sticks around regardless, to be honest, and I think he could be that guy that can win you football games. But – as to your point, you develop younger quarterbacks that you might already have or that you go out and get. Well, I think it's, as Schmitty said earlier, he said it's 100% chance Nebraska goes and gets a portal quarterback. I'd, I'd put it at 100% chance Nebraska goes after portal quarterbacks this offseason because mm-hmm. I think in, they, in they got to say yes. To, right. Today's day and, age, day and age of college football, that's what you do in the offseason. You go bring in a transfer quarterback because you can assume pretty much every year, and it hasn't happened yet for Nebraska, you're going to lose a transfer quarterback. That's the, the type of. Which is shocking. That's the type that of guys quarterbacks are. One. It is. Like, so far. Especially. Logan, too. I mean, well, I get th- that. Those kid guys a could be waiting for the Casey decision. They could they be waiting could for be. the Casey decision, yeah. too. And I look at this as I said it just briefly your age is a ticking clock in terms of the NFL. That's what the situation is. The older and older you get, the less likely you are to to be a third, fourth round guy. You might be fighting for a roster spot in your first training camp, the older and older you get. And that's kind of the knock on Stetson Bennett this year from down at Georgia's. Well, the dude's 25. Right. We have Pro Bowl quarterbacks that are younger than him right now in the NFL. Why do you go get a 25 year old that has probably already reached? pretty close to his ceiling and that's always going to be the conversation around older quarterbacks and that's why I think Casey's going to be taking a, a good long hard look at the NFL this offseason and that's where I think he would go if, if the place is in Nebraska I don't think he goes in the portal and gets a one-year rental yeah. somewhere else do, do you really want to go through all that upheaval yet again and probably go to a place that's not going to offer you as much NIL money as Nebraska it doesn't quite make sense to me uh tweet out uh, subtweeted from Mitch Sherman or quote tweeted not subtweeted not subtweeted quote tweeting <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt rules in Gretna 
Uh, so there's uh, some folks to uh, to go after for sure. Well, and that's something to note too. If Nebraska goes and gets a, a 2023 quarterback, and they know Casey's going around, there's not much appeal with no quarterbacks leaving in the portals thus far to go get a transfer portal quarterback. If you get a 2023 kid you like, such as Zane Flores, and that's a little out there right now. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't even well, say I, that's, why, that's why I brought up the, the Gretna tweet. But, I mean, one more, give me one more shot, <laughs> Zane Flores, if I'm a Nebraska Please. fan. But it, it almost makes sense from that point of view, the fact that if Casey's sticking around, you don't need to go necessarily get a guy in the transfer portal. You need to develop one of these backups into something that can step in in the likely event that Casey misses a game next year due to injury because that's the way it goes at quarterback in Nebraska. When was the last time there was a season without a quarterback missing a, or starting quarterback missing a game due to injury? I think you have to go back to yeah, the oh, handful Taylor years. Martinez's freshman year. It's been that long. Well, well, Tommy, Tommy came in for Taylor his senior year mm-hmm. due to injury. He had the foot issue. Mm-hmm. Then Tommy. And then we, who, the, who came in for Taylor the junior year? Pre-Tommy. Because Taylor also missed a couple games that year, too. Uh, was it Ron? Ron Kellogg, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ron Kellogg came in and threw the Hail Mary. Uh, well, that was that was, that was was post. Yeah, no, that was. Taylor was already out. The Kellogg same, thing was same, in 2013. Same year, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Kellogg, yeah, Kellogg was, was, was in for Tommy, and Tommy was in for Taylor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they, they both go to Penn State and find a way to win in the blizzard, which was an <laughs> underrated win. But that, that is just something to note is just about every single year, not just in Nebraska, but in college football in general, your starting quarterback is going to miss a game due to injury somewhere at some point along the line, especially with how much Nebraska has used their quarterback in the run game over the past decade. Or you have Graham Mertz and that you need to go to the bullpen, but you have no other, no one else to, to go to. So you ride that out for three and a half years, never gets better. Just as a, an example, so what what we're saying here is you need you need three, you need one to to win the job, one to be young enough with upside to compete for the job if they don't get it that's willing to stay, mm-hmm. right, and not play musical chairs and keep hop keep program hopping and never settle and never get development time. You need a third guy that uh, can can be an elder statesman. I, ideally in your quarterback room that you can go to in a break in case of emergency and then you need that that recruit that you can you can start watering you, you need four mm-hmm. and assume two of the four will leave so you need one that can win and start for multiple years and stay healthy and then you need a guy that okay like a joe burrow by year three or year four all right, I'm not going to beat out an NFL pick. Let me go to LSU. That that's your ideal situation, where you just have the quarterback room stacked. Back in the day, Urban Meyer, look at look at his situation in Florida. Right, um, you had Tebow, okay, and Tebow followed. He had some spot duty that freshman year, but behind Tebow was Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at and, and and then Cam got kicked off campus. But point is, is you had you had those two, and you could block a kid from transferring. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Ohio State. Look at their quarterback situation. How well it's been stacked once Ryan Day got there. I mean, it's been first rounder, first rounder. Oh, Joe Burrow, even though he transferred out, was at high Ohio State for three years and, and didn't somehow end up winning a job. And then look at him look at him now. I mean, another Heisman finalist. Well, that's that's the goal, but you're also talking about national championship caliber teams. Sure. With your examples. No. It's, it's much easier said Well, that, that's, But I'm saying that's ideal, though, to have somebody 
as a quarterback in that room that can be pretty good early or at least by a second year with some spot duty time as a freshman go win a job as a sophomore. And that's why I think the decision of Casey is going to be so huge here because it really impacts what your quarterback strategy is going to be this offseason in terms of do we need a guy now or do we need a guy for two years from now? And that's why I look Both. at I look at the I look at the, I look at the <laughs> Arkansas kid though and that strikes me as a guy that you would recruit based on the fact that you're expecting Casey Thompson to come back and, and be your quarterback next year. I don't think you're expecting that guy to come in and start next year similar to how um you are what's the best way to put this? Uh you may not win a lot next year. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. Here, here's here's who Nebraska is fighting for for uh, Malik Hornsby. Okay, and and he's experienced as far as being in a major program and a major conference, just not a lot of of time. Uh, slash roll. All right, they were down wide receivers, so they put his track speed out to uh, wide receiver uh, because he was playing behind KJ Jefferson. Uh, he was going to play quarterback for Baylor. He was going to Baylor. In 2020, uh, Hornsby was. And then Rule got the job in Carolina. That's why he decided to go from Baylor to Arkansas, Bay City, Texas kid. And uh, Nebraska currently has five scholarship quarterbacks. Again, he's a future move. Hornsby Mm -hmm. would be. And Nebraska's fighting for LSU uh, against LSU and Missouri, A&M, Florida Atlantic, and UCLA. And just... As I just said, reading into that with Hornsby, I think if that's the guy in the portal going after or, two years from you, now, you're expecting Casey to be your guy, and I think uh, that would also indicate that Nebraska would be shifting their offense slightly away from what Casey wants to be. Clearly, I think Casey's got some athleticism, but I don't think it was a Mark Whipple decision. The fact that he wasn't scrambling much last year, I think he's a guy who wants to be a pocket passing quarterback. Well, he's where he's been, and based on what I've heard early in the in the. They're recruiting in, in portal news from Matt Rule and his staff. They, they want to be a little bit more dual threat with their offense. That makes sense with the threat of the RPO that they've had in their offense everywhere that they've gone. Just be dangerous enough. Run it where you can sting a defense but not get your head busted, and you're out. And uh, Casey can run it, man. He's and, shown the ability. And you don't need an NFL-type arm to be successful in college football. That's no, you big. don't. He had lots of timing. Uh, we'll get into some best bets on the way with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity. Time for Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke, Decent Sports Network, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. And the Danny Burke Podcast, catching this weekend with all the NFL and bowl game action. Prior to Chicago, we were just talking about Vegas off-air. True or false, there's a Danny Burke, not just suite, but wing, in one of the, uh, the, the, the hotels, one of the big-time hotels in Vegas. Yeah, it's not named that for uh, for the good reasons, though, right? It's because I've been a loyal customer, if you know what I mean. So they felt like it was only fair if they at least named something after me, so I kept coming back. Let's uh, start with Seattle, San Fran tonight, minus three and a half. Uh, Seahawks are going to get points at home. That's typically pretty rare. Yeah, and, and I mean, you probably didn't think it was going to be the case based on how Seattle was playing this entire season until just a few weeks ago. You, you've seen this team kind of fall back down to reality. I mean, over their last five games defensively, they've surrendered 27 points per game, and it hasn't been against powerhouse offenses. It's been the Cardinals, Bucks, Raiders, Rams, and Panthers, and the Raiders are really only the respectable offense out of that group, uh, out of that group. and even they struggle from time to time. So, uh, Seattle has just not been the team that they started to look like, and again, looking more like the expected version of itself that we had. 
coming into this year. But look, San Francisco on the other end, as much as I love Shanahan and the 49ers, they are banged up with Debo Samuel being out. And even though Brock Purdy is playing, he was questionable with that oblique issue. And I knew he wasn't really throwing the ball too much, probably until yesterday or today. So do you need him to do that? Yeah, to a certain extent. But you could also hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey and probably make the most happen with short passes alongside that and just having the best defense in the NFL. I, I don't know. There's there's arguments for both sides here, and of course there is for every game, but especially this one in a division matchup where the 49ers and Bears come the first go around. Seattle's fighting for their playoff lives. The fact that it's over the key number of three and right around there, I don't, I'm just not enticed to play a pre-flop. I may have to wait and see if there's an in-game angle that presents itself better, and I'm kind of looking to do it on the side of the 49ers. I do think they find a way to win. I think it's going to be more in an ugly fashion. Uh, the Seahawks are 26 against the run, according to DVOA metrics. Uh, San Francisco defensively is second against the run, fifth against the pass, or pardon me, second against the run, fifth against the pass, and then also second overall. So, uh, look, the big advantage defensively goes to San Francisco. If you think Brock Purdy is not really that impacted by the injury, despite Samuel being out, they're going to find a way to win this game. Because, yeah, Geno Smith has been better, but he's also been prone to throwing these costly interceptions over this brutal span of four or five games as a plate. So that's kind of my strategy in terms of the overall outlook for this game. But I did bet one prop in this spot, guys, and that is with Christian McCaffrey. And I think there's like three different ways you could go about him. I wouldn't hate if you did him over 16 and a half rush attempts. Although I'm not sure if that number is available, I wouldn't hate rushing and receiving combined or just rushing against the four Seattle run defense. But the number that I thought would present the best thing for your buck is his receiving yards over 35 and a half is what I snagged at the price of minus 120. So in his stint with the 49ers, he's averaging 45 receiving yards per game, five receptions on six targets. He's gone over 35 and a half and four out of the seven games with San Francisco. And the big thing here is, their opponent, right? Seattle is allowing opposing tailbacks six receptions for 49 receiving yards per game, which is the third most in the NFL. So again, Debo Samuel is out. That's a receiving threat. That's absent. Brock Purdy's a little bit banged up. You may not want to strain him too much on a short week by having to throw the deep ball against a pretty good secondary in Seattle. Get your short, secure passes to Christian McCaffrey, a guy who they throw in the slots and pass and probably now will more so without Debo Samuel and let him create some magic. If you look at past running backs who typically get receptions, when they went up against the Seahawks, they've done fairly well. Josh Jacobs, six receptions, 74 yards. Austin Eckler, 12 catches, 96 yards. Alvin Kamara, six catches, 91 yards. Christian McCaffrey belongs in that group, and I think he gets over 35 and a half receiving yards. Danny Burke is with us here. It's Burke's Best Bets on Hale Varsity Radio. Danny, I was tempted to ask you about Dolphins and Bills, but with seven inches of snow potentially in the forecast, I think that's a game that I need to stay the hell away from. So I'll ask you about the next best game of the weekend. That's Sunday Night Football, Giants and Commanders. really seems like this is a game that might have playoff implications on the line. The Commanders are a four and a half point home favorite against the New York Giants. Yeah, this one's a very interesting scheduling spot because if you think back about when they just played, when they end in a gross tie 20-20, to 20, the Commanders really end up with the benefit here because the Commanders, after that game, had their bye week, and then you get the Giants again. So kind of a weird quirk in the NFL scheduling, and it really benefits this Washington team. The Giants, on the other hand, blew a lead, loss, or ended up with a tie in that game. Then you get creamed by the Philadelphia Eagles, and now you got to play a division opponent again 
the odds are against the Giants in the spot, and rightfully so. I mean, they're banged up defensively. They're a train wreck even when they're healthy defensively. And look, Daniel Jones had an okay game the first go-around against Washington, 25-31, 200 passing yards, one touchdown, 71 rushing yards. But Heineke really had an outstanding game, 27-41, 275 in the air, and then two passing touchdowns. Four and a half and five is in that awkward spot where I really don't want to end up playing Washington in a primetime game against a division opponent. I do think they edge this one out. What I may end up doing is, like I typically do, will say, you know, wait for a better in-game number. Or what my co-host actually did on my podcast, he did a money line parlay with the Commanders and the Bengals, both kind of in awkwardly setting spread spots, right? Like the Bengals are three and a half, so you're over the key number three on the road. So instead of laying in those ugly kind of spots, just far land together, I, I don't hate doing that. I haven't done it yet, but I do like that approach. But more so, I, I have confidence in commanders to win. But again, guys, I just don't know if I can get there with the pre-flop spread. Danny Burks with us on Hale Varsity Radio. I will go to Buffalo because that <laughs> game is just screams winter football. The over-under in that game is 44, which I feel like is a little bit high. Your take on that, what would you take in that scenario? Yeah, the total here is uh, it's kind of tricky because you don't know what offense you're going to get from both sides. I mean, two has looked horrendous over his past few games, completing just 46% of his passes. He only had 145 passing yards against the Chargers, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Now, Brandon Staley is a defensive-minded coach, and he made tremendous adjustments, limiting the middle portion of the field for Tua, a guy who they thought, well, he doesn't have the strength to hit the outside routes, and that came to fruition. And what's also a concern with Miami, you talk about the weather conditions. It's a warm-weather team, but also Tua in the cold and a snowy night in Buffalo, that's where the Bills thrive. Not so much Miami, especially when your quarterback's already struggling and you have a plethora of other guys, including Tyree Kill, that are suffering injuries right now heading into the game, even if they do play. And let's not forget, this is a revenge spot for Buffalo like it was against the Jets last week, and the Bills can clinch an AFC playoff spot if they win. The Bills had all the chances in the world to win in Week 3 at Miami. They controlled time of possession. It was a fluky loss. And, look, they're the better team than Miami right now. As long as Josh Allen just doesn't make crucial mistakes, right, and his arm isn't looking flimsy like it has a few times, the Bills should be able to win this game. I wasn't comfortable laying a touchdown, so what I ended up doing, and look, I would recommend teasing it down, but the thing that I actually ended up doing was a money line parlay myself. I did Buffalo, and then I did Minnesota because I, I didn't find another team that I loved to tease down with Buffalo, and I did like Minnesota minus four, but wasn't in love with laying over the key number three with them, so I ended up doing a parlay of both those teams came out to even money thinking that, yeah, Minnesota should be able to handle business against what I consider one of the worst teams in the NFL and one of the worst quarterbacks who leads the league in interceptions and fumbles and Matt Ryan. I think it's just overreaction to the Vikings losing and the Colts were on a bye week, so people forgot that they've been getting embarrassed, especially against the Cowboys on primetime. So that's a game the Vikings should be able to win. And same with the Bills in the revenge spot in the colder weather. So I did that parlay, and that came out to even money with those two squads. Danny Burke, Vison Sports Network at Danny Burke 5. Danny, we'll talk next week. Thanks for the time. You got it, fellas. Always appreciate it. Good to spend time with the Pride of Chicago Vison Sports Network, Danny Burke. And uh, we'll wind down a Thursday edition. Steak and beer bets on the way. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
One final time, Hail Varsity Radio, we're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, Connor Clark. Back tomorrow at 4, we'll check in with Brady Oltman's The Recruiting Weekend for Nebraska. Bill Dolman, the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, The Professor, joins us. And Jacob Padilla to hit on some prep hoops. And, of course, Nebraska, K-State, the big weekend showdown down in Kansas City. Reminder to get buckled up. Use your seatbelt. It saves lives, prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Big thanks to Jay Moore today, Gary Barnett, and Danny Burke from Vizen. Where are we at? What are we feeling? I'm actually going to go home and watch uh, quarter one through quarter four of Thursday night NFL. I haven't watched Thursday night football in weeks. Really, I've, I've you'll check like, in on it yep. and kind right, of tune yeah. out. It's not on the to do list usually, especially this year for mm-hmm. for football. The games are just Seattle so low. hosting San Francisco. The lines dropped by a half point. You're still getting three points. You're still getting Seattle at home. Totals at forty three over under. I just can't see a. Rookie quarterback in his second start, his his well, his second game, his first start, going into Seattle and winning. I, I can't see it unless you get a, a, a special team score or a defensive score, which is possible by the Niners. But I think Seattle writes themselves as good as San Francisco is, and I think they're 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 probably the second best team in the NFC, right behind Philly. And I know the record says that, but I just love their construction, how good they are. And they can still do damage, even if it is pretty show the rest of the way. I will say, Not last tonight, week, the, the way that San Francisco wins tonight, if they do, is going to be obviously McCaffrey on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. But Geno Smith did not look very good last week against Carolina. And Carolina's not the greatest of football teams, obviously, this year. So I think the defense will keep San Francisco in it. I'm not saying the Giants will or the Giants the 49ers wrong, will win. wrong. yeah that's okay Sorry. right, and, right uh, city <laughs> I saw the Correa thing go down that's no, all you're good. what, what do you got are we wagering here usually it's just two people do I gotta bet both of you here staking a beer I, I was gonna go 49ers staking a, at a Shirley Temple for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking 49ers here simply for the fact of what wins on Thursday night football is teams with good offensive lines Running and good game rushing and attacks. defense is what you, you know take what? on the You road. have like one day to prepare for the team on Thursday night football, so you just go out there and play your offense. I think the 49ers rushing attack gets it done. It should be noted, Kenneth Walker is back for Seattle this night. That's huge. If it was going to be Homer as the, uh, the starting running back out of Hamward, 49ers minus three. Now there's uh, a little bit of trepidation in my eyes just because you look at Brock Purdy, the first road environment he's faced mm-hmm. this year. But I think the rushing attack of the 49ers gets it done tonight. It's going to be a close football game. I think they get it done 24-21. Uh, Ken emails in uh, with Kenneth Walker back. It doesn't. It's not all left up to Geno. Mm-hmm. I will see that. I will take Seattle in the three. Give me Seattle. We taking Seattle straight up or just to cover? The line San Francisco minus three, correct? Yes. So, so I get the points in yeah. Seattle at home. Yes. I oh, San Francisco is the minus three. I, I wasn't the, the aware. Favorite. Okay. The favorite, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want Seattle in the points. I'll, okay, I'll go Seattle then in that case. I think, <laughs> I think I'll go Seattle. Well, are you taking Seattle straight up to win? I'm taking Seattle in the points. Okay. It's okay. not money line. Okay, I'm just, I was just asking. Yeah. I was asking if you're going to go with the uh, No, if I'm going to get 12th too. man in points, they're never underdogged at home. Fair enough. We'll All see. All right, I'm going to get a giant tomahawk. The, the way this season's been going, it's been whoever picks the game loses, and I picked first, so I think you're going to win. Uh-huh. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.